0: Hey. Hey. Hello. Was this thing on? Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> oh, God. No, don't start. So bad. Don't start. I haven't. You started it. <laughs> uh, been watching, in fact, have now finished watching this absolutely superb show. Yep. And it was one of these things that I don't think it's been around for that long. I just found it sort of by accident, not because somebody said, oh, you must listen to this. Um, so. It's on Stan. Yeah. Um, it's called We Are Lady Parts, which is a sort of a sniggering, funny title anyway. And it is about, and it's made in the UK, I think by Channel 4, I can't remember, um, and it's about an all-girl Muslim punk band. Right. <laughs> so, and the principal character, Amina, is this sort of shy, quite devout uh, scientist, so she works in a lab or she studies and she's mainly in a lab. She's desperately on the search for a husband and she's got a crush on this guy. Now the guy's sister is the drummer in the band and they need a guitarist and Amina can play the guitar. In fact she's very good. She teaches kids the guitar but she cannot perform in public because she involuntarily vomits and sometimes craps her ass <laughs> if she's on if she's on stage. No but the band desperately need her skills and they need her to play with them for an ab- uh, audition and so the deal is that they arrange for her to be able to go out on a date with the hot brother on the condition that she do this audition. Right. And she kind of enjoys it. She throws up but it's fine. Right. And then so she joins the band. Right. Um, however, none of her family or her friends know that she's in a punk band. Okay, And I've got to say, this show is just so funny, so intelligent, so beautifully paced. The performances are unreal. Um, It clips along plot-wise and it's just, it's funny in just such a deep, great way. And it's full of surprises. Like they use, you know, breaking the fourth wall, there's, you know, It'll just sort of suddenly they're in a remake of a classic movie. Like, it's just, it's very, very funny and clever. And I just loved it. I watched it with my 14 year old. Don't bring your kids generally, though. There's a few F bombs um, to which my leathery 14 year old's ears are you know, completely <laughs> attuned. Um, just loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Is it a bit girls' five ever or a totally different vibe? Oh, uh, look, I mean, yeah, it's like that thing, right? Like, suddenly there's all these girl bandy type yeah. things. Um, it's, it's, it's. I guess it's got a sort of similar vibe. It's sort of just, it's more creative, I think. Like it's, um, although I love that show. So anyway, it's just, I guess the premise is more surprising, I guess. Right. Anyway, it's just,
1: yeah, it's so good. I watched the other night, uh, I started watching. Have you seen the controversy around Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special?
0: Yeah, a little bit, and I sort of, you know, I'm kind of like trying to stay off social media a little bit, just yes. because um, make your own opinions. My on God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I did. I was aware that there was some sort of complicated. This guy, I mean, I'm, I've, I've actually never heard of that guy, so I, I hell. Yeah, sorry, oh, I just haven't. Wow. So I know I, I, I'm having one of those moments where I'm like, oh God, I live in a shed. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> look at your face right now. It's just like he's like. It's like probably the most. How have I missed and him? Famous
1: African American comedian of the past twenty years. How have I missed him? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I just, know. Sorry, I just so,
0: who was um, my response? He wow. he
1: is a he is a very interesting and intelligent uh, figure, and I really wanted to like this special because I've been a fan of his previous work, and I think he's made some really interesting points. And, and anyone that finds himself the subject of a massive pile on, I'm really interested to hear yeah. from that person directly. I lasted about 25 minutes and I had yeah. to switch it off. Um, I, I I was offended by it. it. It is... I don't mind being offended. Yes, I think snowflake. I, I think I have a high bar. I
0: think you do too.
1: And I, I f- would like to think that I have an open mind and um, I'm very happy to be offended when a point kind of gets, a very good point gets made. Like, for example, if you remember that Tim Minchin song about the Pope yeah, and it's like the most just yep. spray of filth about the Pope yep. and then it ends with if you're offended by this yep. and you're more offended by this than you were by the actual thought of the level of cover-up that the Catholic yep. Church did of pedophiles yep. and stuff, well, have a good long have a look at yourself. Now, I, I thought that was really clever because when I was listening to that song, I was like, whoa, this is wow and then at the end i'll say oh good point yeah and ricky gervais has got a um comedy special on netflix called humanity which is also absolutely superb it it, it, you know deliberately provocative but makes really strong points i felt like in this that the points being made in no way justified the level of uh hate and kind of and it was just it also wasn't funny like it just was not funny
0: okay um so what what do you think he was trying to do like was his motivation anger and frustration because i think sometimes when a comedian goes outside their core business because they want to make a point but they do it in a way that is not actually he did he did
1: definitely give me the sense that he's extremely angry and upset about being labeled transphobic and Mm. feels like people weren't listening to what I actually said and they then responded to the kind of pile-on on on social media, which, you know, I've seen a million times happen. So I I understand Mm. that and I'm kind of sympathetic to that, which is why I would hope to like the show. Um, But it's like that has kind of, I don't know. I I mean, then I was thinking, because I was watching him and I was thinking, you seem really angry to me. But then I've watched him previously and thought he also seemed angry about, you know, racial inequality and Mm. stuff like that. So I was trying to think is it the same or is it different? It felt kind of different to me as a viewer of it. But um, I don't know, I kind of feel like as well, I mean, I know I know kind of comedy specials have shifted terrain a bit, right, that they're mm-hmm. not always funny like yeah. Hannah Gadsby show. Sure. You know? yeah. It is funny in parts but it's also just kind of thoughtful in yeah. parts. But, I mean, the first bar I would have thought for, say, you know, a cartoon or a comedy special or whatever is, okay, is it funny? And yeah. then does it you know, is it also offensive and, you know, how offensive is it? Like there's grades of offence and, yeah. and is the offence being used as a comic tool and yep. is there a point to the yeah. offence? Blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. Like so many things. That, I look forward know, to
0: seeing that spreadsheet from you. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm not a comedian, right? But I just think if it's not funny, then why even have the discussion about, you know, whether it's worth being offensive mm. or whatever? Because so, it hasn't crossed the first kind of hurdle. Mm. Um, other people might look at that differently and go, well, then I don't care if it's funny, if it's offensive, you can't run it, blah, blah, blah. But comedians always have generally, you know, been right at the line of, yeah. you know, causing offence. But, yeah, it was just um, I, I found it unwatchable, yeah, which was kind of disappointing.
0: Right, because you would feel like you're being beaten over the head with something that had I no, just had felt no
1: like I don't want to... If I, I was thinking if I was sitting here watching this with my um, gay friends or a trans friend, I would feel embarrassed at yeah. putting them through this, watching this. Hmm. So I didn't... I just... Didn't want to hear So, I wonder
0: it. what the audience I mean, the audience was some, laughing,
1: which I really? found kind of surprising.
0: Yeah, oh, okay, so it's a live, you know, it's a yeah, thing it of was a, in Detroit, but I wonder like because he got paid a bajillion, right?
1: And I think he got 20 million per Netflix special, and okay. he's done several, yeah, so so
0: your kind of coin, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He I mean he famously he had a, a programme called Chappelle's Show and he famously walked away in season three when there was fifty million dollars on the table because he had a lot of concerns about um he was kind of pushing the boundaries on race in mm. that show. Um, but in a kind of way that was super clever and was Mm. sort of making lots of great points. But he felt kind of like um, he's talked about there was a skit they were doing and the white crew was really laughing and he had this feeling of, I'm being laughed at, not with you. Yeah, right. And... Um, he just started to get uncomfortable about it. So he basically walked away, went to mm. live in Africa and he just walked away and left $50 million on the wow. table and he just disappeared. How at- can I not kn- know this? <laughs> oh, it's, it was huge. Um, and he was, it was really controversial at the yeah. time. It was a huge story mm. and people were wondering... Um, has he got a substance abuse problem? Is he in rehab? Like, what's going on? And he was like, I don't have anything. I just don't want to be famous for a while. I just want to go away and, like, look at myself and reflect on myself. So he walked kind of away for ages and then he sort of gradually came back in. Um, Anyway, he's – I mean, he's won the Mark Twain Award for comedy. Like, he's a massive – he's, you know, highly, highly regarded. So I don't know. I just wondered whether – you know how sometimes with people who, when when they become, you know, a kind of victim of a massive pylon, they can be really scarred by it. And sure, can, yeah. It, it can really
0: affect the way you view, you know. Um, but it sounds like the show, I mean, the show predates the pylon, right? Or did... What came first? Because uh, he was piled on for another earlier show. Oh, okay, so um, it's a cumulative sort of thing. Yep.
1: Yeah. and he, and it sounds like from the bit I saw of the show, it sounds like people come up to him in real life and have a go at him and call him transphobic in real life. Yeah, um, quite understandably, he doesn't like that. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, but I I. I I wouldn't recommend people watch it. And as I said, I went to it with a very open mind, hoping this to be, you know, not swayed by all of, you know, everyone else's opinion. Um, But I... You're like, yeah, they're right. Damn it. it." Rip up your betting ticket sales. Speaking of other (laughs) things that have created lots of kerfuffle, what about... Bad up-print. Oh, I've been so looking forward to yes. this conversation. I for realise anyone, we're coming
0: late to the party. I mean, are. it's sort of like okay, the book is, you know, the drinks have been cleared away and we suddenly arrive and start talking about it.
1: For anyone who, like Annabelle Crabbe, um has yes. lived in a cave for the past 20 <laughs> years. Apparently I've never heard of Dave Chappelle, for Christ's sake. Um, this happens to me a lot. Uh He's not even a handsome white man. They're oh, usually the dudes that you blank. So. I know.
0: I can't ever remember. I can't tell the difference between them.
1: Bad Art Friend was a piece in the New York Times. It's worth a read. It's long. It involves a woman who um, altruistically donates a kidney to, to a, stranger, a stranger. To not a stranger. to a friend. Which and she posts all over her social media about it, about what an amazing person she is and how, how, you know, selfless to donate a kidney. And she sort of takes a bit of issues with this writer's group that she's in that they haven't given her enough praise on her social media posts about her kidney donation one woman in particular who's a writer and then she discovers the other woman who's name i think sonia something yep. um the first one's name is doreen sonia has written a short story about a woman who's donated a kidney altruistically and is being a bit, and won't shut up bit of a showboat yeah. about it wanting lots of praise about it and then the story goes from there because doreen is upset that her real life experience has been mined for this woman's short story which is having a degree of success and then it
0: proceeds from there it reads like it's the most fantastic read because it's just sort of full of intrigue and twisty developments and the kind of mutual bad behavior of these two people so it's kind of i mean i guess the title is just like well, which is the worst person out of these people um so it's very satisfying in that sense i always find it so relaxing to read about the poor behavior of others because i just think oh, at least i'm not that dreadful <laughs> <laughs> Did you have sympathies
1: for one or the other?
0: I had sympathies um, with the writer, not the single kidney lady in the end. yeah. Like, so I think the single kidney lady was just weird, right? Yeah. I mean...
1: Who, who? Oh, you know, I would just try to avoid her so much if she was in any way in my social circle. Right, but um, there was a mean girls vibe about it.
0: Oh, totally from right. From
1: the other so, people. So,
0: Sonia, the writer, has clearly been in this sort of stitch and bitch circle yep. with the other writers who are, you know, in this Boston writers group, and has clearly been, you know, absolutely mocking this woman behind her back. And she's her public pronouncements about how I wasn't based on that or whatever are clearly not true like she's um sort of bullied this woman um in a kind of what i suppose she probably thought was a low-level way until somebody leaked all the whatsapp exchanges and email kind of strings so yeah yeah. i mean in one way it kind of is a bit of a parable for our times about how um a chronic human failing which is you know, our tendency to get together in groups and, you know, gossip about each other yep. has become this sort of real high wire act thanks to technology and the fact that these exchanges don't fade away into the ether anymore. Totally. And they also, hang around and can be found. You and know? also the thing that the youngsters call being thirsty, which did you is just, posting. Did you just say the youngsters? <laughs> can I have that on a t-shirt, Gwen? The youngsters call it being thirsty. I just, I find the fact that you just... Spout out that sentence. Well, I don't just feel like I could, creepy I could and write. sort of <laughs> funny, like. and I feel like I'm I'm just nervously giggling. <laughs> I'm going to play this feel to my like daughter.
1: I could rightly claim that you know I use the term thirsty, but I do but just love the way you the pursed your it.
0: lips. It was a thirsty thirsty. Well, the youngsters, yeah, <laughs> you
1: call it being thirsty, which means posting something. What does on it mean, social, Lee? It means posting something on social media in the hope of getting praised, allowed yeah. by everybody, um, and so they'll you know if somebody's a bit kind of you know, like Doreen in that story, she's, Doreen's thirsty, she's Parched. She wants she a lot of praise. You know? Yeah, she's
0: in the middle of the Gobi Desert.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it is. I mean, we've all, of course, have friends and acquaintances who do do that. So that's another kind of thing. It's a real, it's a real modern parable.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely Doreen left me absolutely cold. But then, I definitely would rather hang out with Sonia. if I had to be stuck on a desert island do- with either of them. Yeah, Sonya for sure. Yeah, because but, she'd be able to give me so much more dirt about Doreen. Yeah, exactly. But it was, but it was she'd very. It. it
1: was a bit Mean Girls, yeah. and then and I, also I guess my sympathy lay with her because. It, um, what was the other story? Cat person was that what it was called? The oh New yeah,
0: I don't, I don't think I actually ever read that one. I have a, an one.
1: aversion to these people who they have an experience and then someone fictionalizes it and makes a story out of it and they're all cross about it. I, yeah. don't, I don't really get that because yeah. I think like all miners are mining everything yeah. that's going on in life all the time. And so if you hear a good, you know, like somebody altruistically donating a kidney and, and being thirsty, that's good it's premise a for a yarn. Story, yeah. So yeah. I don't see why you necessarily have ownership of that, especially yeah. when you haven't done anything yeah. with it yourself.
0: The problem is when you, um, when you borrow one thing from somebody that is sort of identifiable to them or, you know, unique to them in some way, and then, and this is what writers do all the time, right? Like they build composite figures. They're like, oh, that's a really interesting attribute of yours and yes. this person over here has another interesting attribute. Wouldn't they go well together? Yeah. So it's like a wardrobe mix and match. You sort of go, oh, yeah. okay, that's a re- now that's a really interesting character and yeah. you borrowed a jacket from this person and pants from that person and boots from that person yeah. and suddenly away you go. The problem is when the garment is identifiable, right, like so – the detail about the kidney donation is massively identifiable to that woman. So it's basically they've taken a, she's the writer's taken a jacket and it just happens to be a yellow and pink plaid jacket that is totally fucking unmistakable. And then she's built all these other things onto it and that's her defence. It's like, oh, you know, that composite person isn't you. Yep. It's just borrowing a bit of you. But when it's identifiable like that, then that's when people get upset because they're like, well, you've now... Suggested yeah, that, that that's right. all the rest of the stuff is, and this was a bit more
1: complicated because Sonia actually used a po- some wording from a post that Doreen had made, all, and it was word for
0: word. Yeah, um, but that's so- the most bullshit part of the story. I mean, like you know, uh, because essentially Doreen then sues her for plagiarism <laughs> for you know using you know the her original post, you know, which is sort of neither here nor there. The crime is borrowing something from her life. Is that a crime or isn't it? That's the question, not yeah. like, you know, be beep, a beep, 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 copyright over the letter. <laughs> you know, piss off, Doreen. Speaking of borrowing stuff from yes. life, mm. I just
1: finished Sally Rooney's new novel, oh, Beautiful okay. World, Where Are right. You?
0: Um, Okay. Look! Oh, if look you, at your eyes—they're rolling. <laughs> look, if you rolling, write,
1: I, I think I can safely say if you enjoyed normal people and conversations with friends, you will enjoy it. It's more of the same. Yep. It's very. She's got a very distinct kind of voice and writing style, yep. and it's more of that. Yeah. Um. I didn't like really either of those books. I found them both kind of middling. So, and I suspect you to just be thought they a bit whiny. Or I think I'm not the demographic for the book because Grace, my friend, who's in her twenties, loved them, and she's really smart and intelligent, and has excellent taste, and so all it made me think is this writer is speaking to a younger demographic that i don't relate to that experience quite so much so i felt like um like I, I think i said about normal people i felt like why can't any of these people just have a proper conversation like if they do they want to be together do they not want to be together why is all there's all this mucking around and no one's ever kind of exactly saying what they want and you know, blah 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 and this is more of that <laughs> yeah but i suspect it's quite heavily borrowed from some of Sally Rooney's own experiences because one of the characters is a success, very successful writer.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah. And
1: she it's her, It's about, you know, I guess how isolating it is when you've got some success in your life and trying to meet
0: somebody. And, Look, know, it blah, does blah, blah, suck. And, that does really <laughs> suck when your incredible success debars <laughs> you from making emotional bonds with people. Um, and so it's kind
1: of about her relationship with this dude who's really a bit of a waster in my view and seems to not care about her particularly. And then her friend Aileen and this guy, Simon, who's basically been in love with her since they were younger and they periodically sleep together and she really likes him and he really likes her, but they just can't seem to actually have that conversation. And so I just was left like I was with the other books, incredibly frustrated and All wanting right. to just give Well, I can't wait for the shake. TV adaptation, which will just
0: be good looking <laughs> people staring at each other but wordlessly like I, and then like absolutely shagging like marmots. Like I said, <laughs> I,
1: I do accept that um, Sally Rooney is hugely popular and lots of people love her writing for some reason, bit, probably. Like Salman Rushdie, just don't really like it, don't really enjoy it, and so it's just not my thing.
0: Can I recommend something fine. for you? because yes. if you loathe Sally, Sally Rooney, <laughs> maybe you might want to try <laughs> Diana Reid. That's who the, is um, that's the
1: algorithm Amazon's missing, isn't it? Because you yeah. know, if you liked Annabelle Crabb, you'll love Lee Sales. <laughs> what they need, like, is you if had if enough Annabelle Crabb, you, <laughs> you might be more into Lee
0: <laughs> Sales. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Or you could well, just <laughs> buy our book where you get that's half right. of each, right? Do you, brr,
1: brr, brr. Do you loathe Lee Sales? Try Peter Fitzsimons.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay. spectacular. What's the book that you're um, pointing out to me? Well, I'm, I'm brandishing it, actually, um, uh, at you. Yeah. Um, it's called Love and Virtue. Yeah. It's by a young writer called Diana Reed and this is her first book. And I think it's going to go absolutely off like a frog in a sock. It's only just been released. And it's got a lot of very excitable – well, no, that's not excitable in the sense of, you know, sort of blithering, but like very excited. Mm -hmm. Well, Meg Mason says, who, of course, wrote Sorrow and Bliss, which is a tremendous, tremendous book – um she says, Dinah Reed will be called the new Sally Rooney. You're oh. certain of it by the end of page one. Oh. By the end of this real raw and startling novel, you know Reed is the talent to whom every smart novelist who follows her will be compared or hope to be. Can I have a look at page one? And there's <laughs> the arrival the arrival of a new literary talent, incisively no, intensely incisive and brilliant. Can you give me a look at page one. And I'll give you my verdict. Oh, okay. She's <laughs> sweating it.
1: Um, oh, yeah, okay. In a basement bar on a university campus, a boy and girl hold each other, their limbs loose with alcohol.
0: That's quite a rainy line. I'll okay. I'll that. So, yeah. But the thing is in this book that shit actually happens. Like it's got a very, um, it's got an extremely compelling plot. It's oh, great. set on a university campus. Okay. Um, the principal character is Michaela. She's kind of arrived at university and she's sort of, you know, like she's living in a residence near the university, so it's kind of like college life. And so she's getting massively pissed and kind of working out who her friends are, and she becomes friends with this very, very intriguing character called Eve. And what kind of unspools around them is this twisty plot that is a bit about something that happened in the past that you don't know about right. yet and you f- don't really find out the full details of until the end of the book. So it is about sort of um, confidences and betrayal and um, misusing details about someone else's life. So there's a bit of bad art friend going on in here too. It's like are your experiences, do your experience Do your experiences belong to you? Can you control them? Can other people use your story? for their own purposes. Oh, sounds good. Uh, it's okay, very, like, I absolutely tore through it. Is that copy for me? That's um, you, know, you, you can, I brought it in because oh. I've read it, so you can, can take it. it? Okay, yes, you great. can. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, um uh, yeah, it's, it's very twisty. Like I need another book on my bedside table. I know that. It's I just, know that. But it's good for oh, you. Just,
1: the thing that's really upsetting is because I'm living in a new place at the moment, I've only been there since June, and so every book on my bedside table I know that I've accumulated since June, oh my God. and so... It is just incontrovertible evidence that I am out of control. Yes. I need to stop taking books, buying books, accepting books. I just need to stop just it. give up. I need just to stop.
0: Live like a crazy lady <laughs> like me. You just need tottering piles everywhere that fall over when you walk past them. Now, um, can I – oh, sorry. Just quickly, while we're talking about new releases from first-time writers, uh, a very, very different book but, um quite remarkable is um, The Keepers by Al Campbell. Um, And um, it's like a – it's a full-on book to read because there is a lot of pain in it Mm -hmm. and it is about um, a mother who lives with her two sons, both of whom have varying degrees of disability. One of them um, is – nonverbal, but um, extremely brilliant and speaks using an iPad. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got an absolute dead shit husband who she's sort of married for a visa and he's still living with them, but sort of in a separate flat. So all of the care of the boys is absolutely hers. And she comes from a background of abuse, which you kind of learn about over the course of the book. It is Sort of, I can't. I've never read a book quite right like it. It is um, spectacularly well written. Um, It is sort of pointy and edgy and full of um, pain, but it's also this incredible, it's got this harsh beauty in the way that it describes the mother's love for her children, I'm sort of almost getting a little bit teary in my eyes talking about it because um, it it is a truly remarkable book. I would say if you are in a sort of pain situation where you think if you read anything more about someone else's pain that you'll be tipped over the edge, then maybe don't um, pick it up right away. But it is, um, I don't mean that to mean don't read it because it is um, an incredibly... Valuable and beautiful insight into the life of a carer as well, mm. um, and it is yeah, uh, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable achievement from a brave new voice. Um, as I understand it, there is an element of um, you know there is an element of autobiographical you know reality to the to the writer's life mm-hmm. as well, um, and as such, it is a, just a a big and very special contribution. Mm, mm. Okay, very anyway, good. Anyway, I hope I've sort of not talked about it. I hope I've talked about it in um, a way that reflects my feelings when I read it because I found it at times I've put it aside because I felt so deeply for her and, um, and you know, the the battles that she's going through. But what absolutely draws you along like this sort of, beautiful golden thread throughout is this savage love that she has for her kids yeah
1: the way you're talking about it reminded me a bit of the other week when i was talking about tarana books burke unbound yeah burke's book unbound um because it's it's one of those things where you want to say to people this is a really good book but also it's not like it's got some pretty confronting content yeah and after we finished that pod i was thinking oh i hope I, i gave the Correct impression that that is an amazing book. Yeah, like, it's a really amazing yeah, book. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't but it? Because like to you want to embrace yourself a bit. Yeah,
0: particularly when you're kind of recommending books and you're kind of like, oh, you know, this is great. Yeah, and then someone reads it and is just like, oh, oh thanks for letting me know that but, it's about you
1: know that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I mean, you know. um Can I quickly –
1: Yes, I know we're running out, Before we're out of time, um, I just wanted to quickly mention two things. One is I think I referred briefly that I'd started watching Sex Education Season 3 and I felt like I wasn't liking it quite as much as um, previously. But actually once I – now I'm into it, I am. I think just maybe the first episode or something didn't quite catch me as much. Right. And since then I'm up to about Episode 4 or 5 and now it's back into what I remember it as being and so I'm really quite liking it. Um, The other thing I just wanted to mention, which, you know, a bit like Hamilton I mentioned, way too much, but strong songs. One of the oh, yeah. more recent episodes is about the song September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Okay. Do you know the song? Nope. Sorry. I say that you
0: remember. Oh, I-E-I. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay, um, I love the song. Sorry. Uh, Who's um uh, Chappelle? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I Jeez, I would have had to you so knew you didn't know September. Oh, I know. So um, it's just... It's a really – I mean, that song is like – it's on my Spotify playlist called Perk Up. It's just a really happy (laughs) kind of song. It always makes you feel good. Anyway, Kirk does a superb job picking it apart. It's so great. One day you'll be one. I can't wait to meet Kirk. But um, he describes September – just dribble.
0: You'll be useless.
1: He describes September as having a shimmery golden quality. And I thought that is the perfect description (laughs) of that song as far as I'm concerned. He absolutely nailed it. Anyway, I – yeah, I look I, I have this sort of fantasy one day that I'm gonna go to Seattle and I'm gonna go and sit in some Seattle coffee shop and meet Kirk Hamilton in oh, person. And we're gonna make be truly best friends like we are in my <laughs> mind.
0: <laughs> oh bless you. You pathetic creature. Okay, I gotta escape. Yeah, all right. Oh, nice to catch later. up. Hey? Nice to catch up. Nice to catch up with you. See ya. <laughs> See ya.